0: Hey, this is Jim Asker, and I am the Country Christian Gospel Chart Manager at Billboard, and I am here with the one and only Mike Kerb at Kerb Studios in Nashville. Hello, Mike. How are you doing? So nice to talk to you, and when I was running down um, through your bio, I had never seen so many accomplishments ever before for any one person. And so when I, when I highlighted a few things to talk about— that you had done you just stopped me in the middle if you want to talk about some that are more important to you um, like I had no idea um, I knew you were involved with the racing but I didn't know too that you're in the stock car racing hall of fame for instance and and a lot of other things that I don't
1: know so you well, want... I probably probably don't deserve to be there so uh, it's, it's not a shock that you wouldn't know it how do you like driving I... through the streets of Nashville Well, it's getting pretty exciting. You you, you probably need to have a little bit of uh, NASCAR experience uh, to get through some of these streets now. It's really crowded, but look, the city's on fire.
0: Yeah, and And, that's one of the things I want to talk about, too. Your official title, founder of Curb Records and chairman of Curb and Word Records, correct? uh, Yes. And after this interview, you're going to be the chairman of my career. Oh. Well. <laughs> all right. Well, I, I would be position. proud to be in that
1: position. <laughs>
0: and have you really written over three hundred songs?
1: I have. I, I wouldn't say they're all very. The, I, I wouldn't say I've written over three hundred good songs, but um, one or two that. Um, yeah, well, I've I've, I've, had, I've, had, I've won in uh, you know BMI awards in pop and in country. With I had the uh, theme to "Burning Bridges," uh, a theme to Kelly's Heroes. Burning Bridges that was recorded by the Mike Curb Congregation, which was my music group. Mm-hmm. And it won a Pop BMI, BMI Award. And I wrote Hank Williams Jr.'s first number one record, All for the Love of Sunshine. I co-wrote it. And I we we won a BMI Country Music Award for that. And uh, Was
0: that his first number one? First number one. I saw know. a plaque coming <clears throat> in that you had on the wall for that. It was
1: his first his first number one record. And uh, I also co-produced it. Although I will say one thing, all the rest of the good ones he wrote. So it's it's kind of a uh, an obscure statistic to have written his first number one because Hank went on you know to find his own inner self as a right. songwriter uh, and wrote some of the great country records of all time you know and now he's back on curb right well he's he's not officially on curb we okay. have his catalog he recorded for us for 40 years mm-hmm. Um I'd like him to be uh, on on curb forever, um, but he, he we ha- we have his catalog, and you know every once in a while we p- do a greatest hits album or we'll do a, a specialty album uh, with Hank.
0: Okay, um, I want to mention also that you were the. Um, there's so much to talk about. You were the lieutenant governor of
1: California in what year? Uh, I was elected in 1978, mm-hmm. and then. I became acting governor in 1980, and the president—you know, former governor Ronald Reagan became president. I was the national co-chairman of the Reagan for President campaign, and I was the acting governor of California. So it was kind of an interesting uh, experience.
0: Quite amazing. When you were lieutenant governor, was that under Jerry
1: Brown? Yes, and then Jerry Brown ran for president against Jimmy Carter— uh, in 1979 in 1980, uh, but he lost the nomination to uh, and Jimmy Carter was renominated and then uh, pre- uh, Ronald Reagan defeated uh, Carter for the presidency. And now Jerry Brown is back at governor. He's back at governor and uh, in in California and I'm living in Nashville. And do you get back there often? Uh, yes, uh, I have a 95 year old mother hmm. in California and my sister, who's president of our international company, still works out of our Burbank office, which is right across the street from Warner Brothers in California.
0: Okay, now, um, one thing I wanted to ask you is, you, you know, Jerry Brown was involved with Linda Ronstadt. You know that, of course, for for a long time. And then you were involved with the Stone Ponies, <laughs> different drum, of course, the big hit with Linda Ronstadt. Did you put those two together?
1: Well, I was the first, our company was the first company to sign the Stone Ponies um, Bob Kimmel, Ken Edwards, and Linda Ronsted. Mm-hmm. And we signed them, I want to say mid 60s. Uh, and we put out uh, singles with them. We didn't get a big hit, we got local airplay on it. And my distributor was Capital. And one of my mentors was a fellow by the name of Nick Vinay. Uh, at capital and he asked me if if he could uh, move the group over to capital uh, and you know because in those days my record company was very small I mean i I thought I could make it on my own but it, I ended up uh writing a commercial for for Honda called you meet the nicest people on a Honda and I got maybe three thousand dollars for that but I ended up living in an uh in the janitor section of the building where i had my offices so i didn't really have the funds to take the stone ponies and linda Ronstead to the next level and capital was distributing my records and nick venae uh called me one day and he said you know there's a song that mike Nesmith of the of the monkeys, monkeys wrote called different drum uh would you mind if i to, uh, took a shot at it with the stone ponies and i said well if they're willing to do it that'd be fine well he he, he uh, i fortunately i got to be at the session but really it was nick Vinay mm-hmm. who really found the song and and did it and so we issued it on capital they gave me an override and it became a big hit but um i, I wish i could have kept them obviously i wish i could have well i wish i could keep every artist that's ever been on our label forever You seem uh, to
0: keep a lot of them, though.
1: Well, a lot of them stay a long time. I mean, Hank Jr. stayed, I think, almost 40 years. But um, uh, we had a couple of, we had two or three good years with the Stone Ponies. I wouldn't trade it for anything. I mean, I, and, you know, I I was just a teenager when I started the company. So I was pretty proud to have the Stone Ponies. And I I did produce uh, several sides with them.
0: Now, you um, have been in Nashville for how long? When, when did uh, Curb, 20,
1: about just about twenty five years,
0: and as chairman of Curb Records and Word Records, a lot of people probably don't know what exactly does a chairman do. Can you tell us?
1: Um, I'll tell you. You know, it's funny. I'm right after I finish this. I'm I'm speaking over at Vanderbilt to the, the Curb Scholars there, and as you know, we do a lot of uh, work with with education and with charitable groups, but we have about 10 colleges that we support like the curb college here at Belmont and the Cal state uh, curb college with 5,000 students. And in Vanderbilt, we, we, uh, support future leaders, uh, which we call the curb scholars. And I, and I'm speaking to them and meeting with them today for lunch. But, um, what's really interesting is that, um, The students always ask me that same question. They say, what do you do if you own a record company or if you're chairman of the company? And the bottom line is anything someone else is supposed to do that they don't do becomes my job. You know, I either have to do it or find someone to do it. You'd be stunned almost every day. Someone is sick or someone's on vacation or, believe it or not, every once in a while an artist is unhappy, um, and, and and you at that point, that becomes your day. That becomes your challenge. So uh, we're fortunate now to have a CEO with Jim Ed Norman who handles, you know, the day-to-day issues and really runs the day-to-day company um, at, at, at Curb, and then we have a fabulous person also, Rod Riley, who runs Word, and so both of them are so incredibly capable uh, and we've got so many people who've been, We I think we have over 20 of our employees have been with us over 20 years. So we have a really nice, dependable group of people. But I end up having a very full day. Um, well, a good example is today. Here I am uh, talking to Billboard, which is, you know, was started in 1895 and it keeps the 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 history of, of not just our company. Our company's fifty two years old. Uh, we I think we've had like over three hundred number one records on various Billboard charts.
0: You and, are the biggest independent record label in the world, aren't you?
1: Well, uh, if you go from the beginning, we're certainly the oldest one that's still owned by its original owner because we're in our fifty second year. Uh, but having said that, I started this as a teenager when I was a student at at Cal State. Originally,
0: uh, a sidewalk records.
1: Well, we tried to get Curb the name Curb, but there was another label called Cub C U B, so mm-hmm. we couldn't get it, re- uh, which was owned by MGM. And um, I, don't, you might, I don't know if you remember the label, but it had artists like Jimmy Jones, who did the original handy you know handyman record and good time and in, and the Impalas who did sorry I ran all the way home that were on a label called Cub uh, which was owned by MGM they used the Lion for their main label and Cub for their and Cub was spelled C U B C and and Curb was C U R B right so I couldn't get the title cleared so I tried to look for something close to Curb and Sidewalk was as, about as close as we could come so we used the name Sidewalk for a few years and then and then we then ironically we merged with mgm uh about oh 19, in the late 1960s uh i remember i was 24 years old and then and i became president of mgm curb uh, and it was right about the time that hank williams junior did All for the love of sunshine which i had co-written and co-produced it was right and the first act we signed was eric burden in war spill the wine oh, wow. which which Went number one on one of the trades. I don't think it ever hit one on Billboard, but it, it hit number one on Cashbox at the time. And of course, you know, you know the record industry. If it's, it's kind of like Alan Jackson said, it's five o'clock somewhere. If it's number one, if it's number one somewhere, <laughs> right. we, we throw a number one party. But there, for years, people have said if it's not number one on Billboard, it's not number one. And and when you look at Joel Whitburn and his history and the history you do and Silvio and all that. Uh, it really needs to be number one at billboard if 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 you want to tell your grandkids that you had a number one record uh and you want to open up the joel whitburn book or you want to uh check with uh billboard with you or silvio it better be number one at billboard or it won't show oh excellent
0: Um, Curbs country roster just want to mention some of the artist names in case listeners don't know Winona Judd Tim McGraw these are people who have been here through the years Leanne Rimes Lyle Lovett Jody Messina Clay Walker Steve Holy Mo Pitney who's of course um, on the scene now Rodney Atkins Ashley Gearing um, who I love by the way Dylan Scott American Young Lee Bryce who's doing really well right now and on the Word roster, um, you and you also have some great Christian artists on Curb, too, but you just bought 80%, the remaining 80% of Word, correct? So uh, some of the artists on that label, Francesca Battistelli, Big Daddy Weave, Stars Go Dim, um, who were just number one last week on Billboard, by the way. Uh, Sidewalk Profits, Skillet, Switchfoot, Switchfoot, Plum, Natalie Grant is on your label, Plum is on Curb as well. So... I wanted to ask you, when, when you bought the 80% of Word, you had 20% before, right? It was always um, Word, Curb, correct? Yes. And the imprint. And you bought the 80%. The way the story was framed locally, and we talked about this, um, it seemed like the building was very important in that sale to you. I know you're very in- much involved with Protecting Music Row as condos kind of... Um, just taking over our city right now and you've saved about, what, 12 buildings on on Music Row so far? Probably. (laughs) Including Studio A and Studio B?
1: Well, you know, it really bothers me to see music, it really bothered me to see Music Row falling away, you know, and fortunately, um, the companies that moved off, I mean, for example, Sony moved off, but Sony doesn't really do business as a label as Sony Records in America. You know, they it's Columbia, it's RCA, it's Arista. Um and e- even Universal really does their business Mercury MCA, yeah, yeah, it's Mercury, Capital. it's MCA. Now now it's Capital, EMI. EMI. Mm-hmm. So, um so even though they moved off uh we were able I, when, when it's like when we bought the Columbia building. And and there's a nice little sign there that says the historic home of Columbia Records um uh, and we uh, also uh, in that same building on the right side of the building was the historic home of Decca Records you know which which is now part of the Universal Group so even though um we don't have UMG on Music Row uh a lot of people don't know what you know a lot of the um people who visit from all over the world they have no and, idea what they do uh, in fact i didn't even know where umg was until i was downtown uh i went uh, we, we were involved in, in a homeless project and we had a hike for the homeless and we were walking i think it was on church street and i saw a sign that had a law firm and then it had a bank and it had a uh, accounting the, firm, and then down at the, the bottom, building. yeah, and then down, yeah, well, that's the building, and right. uh, down at the bottom of the little sign on Church Street, it said UMG, mm-hmm. and and uh, my wife said, "What does that stand for?" I said, "You know, I don't know. It could <laughs> be. I, I wonder if it's where. Uh, I wonder if it's the Universal Music Group." Uh, and sure enough, it was, and, and they're in the SunTrust Building. So I'm glad that they're in Nashville, because Nashville is Music City. But Music Row
0: and Sony is now moving off Music Row. They're moving to new offices in a new building on Demumbrian, right near the interstate.
1: Sony, uh, you Sony mean,
0: Music Nashville.
1: You mean uh, the record
0: company? The record company, yes.
1: Right, but the Columbia Records uh, building we bought. Right. And it says on that building the historic home of Columbia Records. So tourists that go by can still see the historic home of Columbia Records. We have uh, completely refurbished Columbia Studio A so they can go in and see where Billy Sherrill cut all those great records like Stand By Your Band by Tammy Wynette. And,
0: and I think that's fantastic, by yeah, the way, and, that you give tours. Oh, and,
1: uh, all, but all those records, I mean... Uh, 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 he he stopped loving her today by George Jones and and De, uh, almost persuaded by David Houston and you know uh, uh, the the great Charlie Rich records and the great records by by uh, so many different artists uh, as I mentioned I think Tammy won at Stand by Your Man just wonderful wonderful records that were cut at Studio A through the years Bob Dylan cut there Paul McCartney cut there but then. In the next building over, which was the historic home of Deca, which it says on the front, and Deca has you know morphed into MCA and yes. and morphed into to what is now uh, UMG. Um, and the historic home of Deca, where Owen Bradley's first office was, uh, and the Quonset Hut, which we refurbished, which is right behind uh, the the right behind that building. And that's where Patsy Cline recorded all of her hits. That's where Brenda Lee recorded all of her hits. That's where Johnny Horton did the Battle of New Orleans. That's where the greatest record of all time, El Paso by Marty Robbins, was cut. And even while it was being built, that little building in front, uh, right where it says Historic Home of Decca, is where Sonny James did Young Love and where Ferlin Husky did Gone and where where, uh, 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 the... uh, you, you know where where Marty Robbins did sing in the blues. You know, so w- while the Quonset hut was being built, we also kept our, we also refurbished RCA Studio B. We even have the cabinet that Elvis Presley kicked in when he was doing It's Now or Never and he was struggling on that <laughs> high note, and he kicked in the I cabinet. I never knew
0: that, so he, he was, was struggling with a note and then kicked the cabinet?
1: He, well, allegedly. I wasn't there, but uh, <laughs> the, we, we've, we've got that. And, and last year, 50,000 people went through RCA Studio B, and then we were able to... Um, those we restored ourselves, but we worked with Aubrey Preston to restore uh, Studio A and the historic offices of RCA. So when you look at the history of Music Row... Uh, you don't really think so much of the word Sony, um, as you as you do the word RCA, and so right. the RCA building and the RCA Studio A has been restored, or Columbia.
0: You know, us insiders refer to it as Sony UMG, but to to listeners and fans, it's Columbia, it's MCA.
1: Yeah, and exactly. I love Sony. I mean, I they, we do use their distribution in japan and australia and australasia uh um uh, you know they're really good people um uh, and and obviously the umg people are the, that's the number one company in the world now uh, but but having said all that um i still think music row wouldn't be music row without rca studio a rca studio b uh, the quonset hut columbia studio a the the columbia building the Decca building the RCA records building. I, I think we need all that. And, and so in your question about word, yes, that word building was built by Capitol. And we previously last year bought the original building where Capitol was, which is where Buddy Lee Entertainment is. That was the original music row home. But then back when Garth Brooks was being re-signed to Capitol and Capitol was building what is now the word building, they put the Capitol tower insignia on the top of the building for Garth, to, to make oh. Garth feel at home because Garth had been moved to Liberty, one of their, their other labels, and Garth preferred to be on Capitol. So the story goes that they wanted to make Garth happy, as they should, because he's the biggest artist in the history of our industry. Uh, and, and so they built, they put a magnificent um, uh, Capitol Tower insignia on the top of the, what is now the word building. Hmm. So, preserving all that. I mean, I think and then Ocean Way too being the modern Which studio. Which
0: is a major studio here. Yeah.
1: And I'm pretty proud of what of the Curb studio. It's a beautiful here. studio we're this, in right this now. This is this is once you get inside it, I, I've the, never been in here before. It's beautiful. Well, and you know, you, we have f- fabulous people that you met that are in there watching and, us right now and and we're but th- also this was a bu- this building was owned by Roy Orbison. Oh, and, it was? Yeah. And and I used to produce Roy Orbison. Uh, I did uh I I, I didn't the, the great records of his were done by Fred Foster, <laughs> who well, well, who that- thankfully is in the was put into the Hall of Fame yesterday. But uh, f- uh, he did those records. Fred Foster produced those records at R.C. Studio B for Monument. Amazing. I mean, I'm, I'm talking about, you know, pretty rec- 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 records like. Well, I mean, only the lonely starting with that. That was the first record that he produced there and look what look what it look at the career that it spawned you know
0: as a songwriter producer founder of a record label chairman what do you think since we're talking about one of the great songs Roy Orbison the evolution of music from from the 60s or the 50s until today
1: what what where do you think we are right now well when I was in California starting my company I couldn't wait to come to Music Row because There was a time when one out of every two records on what we used to call Top 40 radio, we call it contemporary hits now, but what we used to call Top 40 radio, uh, one out of every two songs was coming out of either RCA Studio B or the Quonset Hut. And the reason I say that is the pop artists were recording there. And the R&B artist, Bobby Bluebland did Turn On Your Love Light at the Quonset Hut. You know, um, Elvis recorded 250 songs at RCA Studio B, including It's Now or Never and some of his biggest hits. And um, the uh, Roy Orbison, as we just mentioned, uh, Only the Lonely. But Everly Brothers, all their big, big hits, Wake Up Little Susie and Bye Bye Love and All I Have to Do is Dream, all those hits, RCA Studio B, uh, Quanzet Hunt, Marty Robbins, Johnny Horton, uh, Brenda Lee, uh, Patsy Cline, on and on and on. Uh, all all in those records by Jim Reeves, even by Skeeter Davis, were crossing over to the top forty uh, from country. And then it so the country records by Jim Reeves and Skeeter Davis and Eddie Arnold and so were crossing over. Um, and at the same time, the pop records were being cut there. And even artists later on, like Bob Dylan and McCartney and others, came in to say, what's what is what's this magic? Um, but that was happening back in the 60s. Unfortunately, um, what has happened, and I don't say, I shouldn't use the word unfortunately. I'm, I should just say, realistically, what's happened today is, uh, back then, you could only one person could only own seven radio stations. Now and then, twelve. Yeah, you know, and, and then
0: after 96, 1996's Telecom Act, it opened the door for mass ownership.
1: Right, and so with mass ownership, you don't really have crossover much anymore because um, with mass ownership, uh, let's say one company owns the country station and the CHR station in 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 a particular market. Right. Well, they don't need that artist to cross over because they want the country station to do the promotion when that artist is doing a concert there, and they want the pop station to do it, and they want to sell advertising to the demographic. There's a different demographic for as you know, for country than there is for CHR. Yes. So can an artist cross over? It's very hard. Now, an artist can change, but if they're going to change from country to pop, they better be as big as Taylor Swift, because Taylor Swift was big enough to say, okay, I'm not going to do country anymore. I'm going to do just pop. Mm-hmm. She's big enough to do that. But if I said to you, name another artist, uh, if we take someone like Lee Bryce, who's uh, doing so well on our label, he's had seven... Number ones and all he had that. the
0: number one airplay song of the year at Billboard.
1: Yes, and I, Well, he did it last year, right? Right, with, last year. With, last year with Drinking Class. Right. But in 2010, he had the number one for the whole year with Love Like Crazy. Uh, but in the meantime, he's had number ones with uh, Hard to Love and and number uh, A Woman Like You and I uh, I Drive Your Truck and of course recently uh, I Don't Dance went uh, went number one on. On uh, the Billboard Airplay chart, um, and you know, it, and it won the ACM Record of the Year at the 50th anniversary, you know, at Cowboy Stadium, which is pretty exciting. Mm-hmm. But Lee Rice, if Lee Rice tomorrow said, "I'm not country anymore," you know, or if tomorrow Rihanna said, "I'm not R&B anymore," uh, and I mean, the bottom line is, we don't. Uh, the 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 thing that the consolidation has brought is. That there is, there's no reason for radio to want, to I mean, even with Christian, to, to take a Christian record, take a group like For King and Country, they sound like a pop group. Uh, Natalie Grant, she can outsing just about any any uh, pop singer there is, and she's on on curb as a Christian artist. But the, I think that that if she were to cross over, the issue that you face is that. The iHeart Station, for example, that might be playing her record in, in a certain market uh, might be fearful that if she does a concert, she, she's going to do it with the K-Love Station. You see what I'm saying? So you've got a situation where uh, even though I can play records for you and you've heard them by by some of our word artists that sound very competitive to uh, uh, well, for Kagan Country is a good example, very competitive. Um there isn't a reason for the, for the, for the pop station to play it because there, they would be promoting an artist that ultimately is going to do their promotions most likely with the Christian station. Right. Uh, we had that happen year, about 10 years ago. Uh, we were fortunate enough to be the kind of the co-label for, I can only imagine by Mercy Me and huge the record crossover. was, it was huge when it came time for Mercy Me to do follow-ups, uh, the concern was, well, where will they do their promotions? And obviously they were going to stay loyal to uh, to, to, the, to the contemporary Christian radio stations.
0: The label seems to always want to protect
1: that. Well, the label wants to protect their base. That loyalty of fans in that format. Sure. But radio also wants to protect that base. Mm-hmm. Uh, K-Love's uh, proud to have Mercy Me. I think they're proud to have Natalie Grant. Um, and and But you know once an artist starts to cross as i said before if you really want to totally cross you better be as big as taylor swift Mm -hmm. and 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 she did it and she did it well Um, and and but give me the name of someone else who can do that and uh uh, i'll place a bet with you
0: (laughs) well you mentioned taylor swift and natalie grant let's talk about female artists for a minute. You have so many great ones. Francesca Battistelli, I mentioned, Natalie Grant, Ashley Gearing on Curb. Recently, you just... How about Winona? (laughs) Winona, of course. You just signed two new artists, Love and Theft and Jared Neiman. And I want to mention one thing. Um, On the country airplay chart, when Kelsey Ballerini had her number one, um, I think it went to number one July 4th last year, Love Me Like You Mean It. That was the first number one um, solo female launch record since 2006, Carrie Underwood's "Jesus Take the Wheel." Wh- why the dry spell of female artists in the country format?
1: Well, I don't understand that. Uh, the um, different people have speculated that that since the f- audience is primarily female, uh, that are majority female, that females like to hear males, but, but I don't believe that. I mean, uh, I like to hear female artists on the, on the radio. And I like to, I, I mean, I don't really don't care whether the artist is male or female. Um, and I, I, I love, I mean, I love hearing Carrie Underwood and Miranda Lambert and, uh, Kelsey ballerina. I was thrilled that her record went to number one. Um, the, but if you look at the airplay, uh, lists mm-hmm. of most of the radio stations, you'll find that uh, you have a lot more males being played than females. So this is really more a, a question I assume that's consumer driven. I assume radio, uh, you know, a, a radio used to be 100% driven by sales and consumers. It's, you know, now that, that you've got stations owning thousands of stations uh they do have the ability to say we're going to play this artist and, and this artist fits our format. So this is really more a function, I think of what radio has become. And I, I'm not saying radio is right or wrong, but I'm sure radio uh, with all its call out research has come to the conclusion that they should play more male artists. It's not something that, uh, that we, w- that we want. I mean, at, we want record. We, yeah. we, we we would love to see half the records be female and half of them be male, and and uh, and when you mention call
0: out research, for anybody who doesn't know, um, I worked in radio for a long yeah. time. You're calling uh, who you hope are your um, main listeners or okay. P one listeners, you call them, um, and you play them a hook of a song over the mm-hmm. phone. You can't get people on the phone anymore. It's um, it's harder and harder to get people on the phone. And do you think that that is an efficient way to find out if your music is working or not.
1: Well, to be honest with you, I don't know the answer to that. I know that if somebody tells me that one of our records is getting good call-out research and they play it, then I think it's great. And if somebody tells us one of our records is not getting good call-out research, then I don't think it's so great. So, I think it's kind of like all the award shows. People say we can there's so many award shows now. We can't remember who won. CMA vocals of the year last year we can't and, and my answer to that is look there's something for everybody there's there's awards for everyone uh these shows do well or they wouldn't be on the air um, call out research uh, I think is going to change is changing a lot now because uh you know our big challenge as you know is that most of the promotion people who are really good uh came from terrestrial radio, and, and terrestrial radio still, for the most part, uh, is, is a big factor in the charts— Certainly, the airplay in Nashville. Well, the airplay chart, it, but I mean Media Base, uh, you know, and in and and uh, Nashville, and it with 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 the Billboard airplay chart, um, and we have
0: Nielsen. Neil, there's the two main ones are Nielsen and Media Base. Ours
1: is Nielsen. Oh yes, BDS, which 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 was incredible because when it came in in the mid nineties, we were the first company to benefit from it because we had a, uh, they used to have uh, a deal where R and R which was, I guess, I guess the predecessor to what is now the media-based chart to some degree. Uh, uh, But R&R, which was bought by Billboard, um, um, and fortunately, by the way, because R&R had the contemporary Christian charts going for, you know, and, and it actually took over the CCM charts you know that that preceded the R and R Christian charts. So the fact that Billboard bought that it preserved a lot of the history of the Christian music mm-hmm. charts. But having said all that, go, uh, going uh, terrestrial radio tends to drive the charts, uh, and and educating your regional promotion people to say, hey, you can't just go to the terrestrial station. You got to go to internet radio. Uh, there's even Spotify now. Uh, you know, with what John Marks is doing with Spotify, uh, there's going to be a Spotify chart and there's an iTunes chart. Uh, and there's so many, uh, and there's YouTube and all that. And, so-
0: and by the way, we use all that info in our charts. The, the Billboard Hot 100 right. um, is a combination of AirPlay streaming, Sales
1: and I wanted to ju- I was just coming to that to come in billboard for being able to i guess we call that the consumption chart now is that the consumption or what is the
0: f- it, well the hot 100 is a hybrid chart right so right. that's a combination of sales streaming and airplay right. and um you know the hot country songs chart is a combination of all those things and sometimes when I mention to a label well your song is number one on hot country songs. I have to explain to them what it is but it's to me it's more reality than the airplay chart because there's so many kids streaming and and downloading digital so it's a combination of all those things the country airplay chart in Nashville for Christian too yeah. and for country is the major platform that you guys all use uh, but for, it seems like for well, the well, other formats well, I don't
1: I don't I don't use it I, I because But a lot of money is still spent on driving Oh no driving I mean airplay. I look at it and I care about it And But I will tell you what means something to me, and that is having a number one record for history. Mm -hmm. And I I think we've had over 300 number ones in in various billboard charts. But uh, you mentioned a lot of labels don't know the Hot Country country uh, songs. songs chart. Well, I can tell you right now that when Joel Whitburn does his book, his next country book, and he goes all the way back to 1944 with his billboard book, and I can tell you right now, it's going to be off the, he's using the hot country songs. Right. So just to give you an example, take Lee Bryce. When when a woman like you hit number one, hot country songs was the same as the airplay chart. And right. so he would show number one on hot country songs. But when Hard to Love went number one, uh, by that time, the new hybrid chart was in and and it it while it went number one on the airplay chart, it did not go number one on hot country songs. And so basically uh, a lot of artists who think that they have a number one have the number one country song right now when hit when they're talking to their grandkids years from now and they open up Joel Whitburn's book of country hits, <laughs> he won't be in they're that. gonna see that that record <laughs> went to number four or number five. Uh, no, I know the, exactly what it has meant, and it re, and and it is very hard to get number one or even to know how to get to number one, but I'm going to tell you what I like about what Billboard's doing. I really think that you finally created a hot country singles chart that can't really be manipulated, uh, whereas the AirPlay charts, obviously, well, I don't want to say manipulated in a negative way, but... Whoever got, has the best promotion staff can sometimes get the get get the number one record you, and
0: you and, brought up something I was going to mention because we talk about that all the time. Um, the airplay chart is something they can still at least try to manipulate by steering. They airplay. do manipulate it. <laughs> and, you know,
1: and everybody does it. Everybody I mean, we if we have a record going for number one on on that we just just last year we were going for number one. Um uh, uh, you know, on, on an airplay song, and and we try to c- put our syndication together. I mean, e- everything that's legal, the record companies d- uh, do, uh, and 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 hopefully not not more than that. And but but certainly, if you have a oppor- your job to opportunity to go number one, there's nothing wrong with your promotion staff doing everything they can. Right. I'm just saying their job. that that what I love about the Hot Country Singles Chart is I really think that's a reflection of what is the real number it's one. It's reality, right. Yeah, and, and I like that, and you've done the same with the the Hot 100. Now, the Hot 100 chart didn't start till 1958. You know, I, I remember I bought the very first oh. single that went number one on the Hot 100 chart, which was Poor Little Fool by Ricky Nelson, but over the years, for example, You Light Up My Life by Debbie Boone uh, was the number one record for the whole decade of the 70s on Billboard. Uh and that'll never go away. Uh, in fact, when Billboard published the top singles of all time, uh, the uh, in the top ten, two of the top ten were Leanne Rimes and 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 Debbie Boone. Mm-hmm. And no one would have ever believed that. In fact, the Debbie Boone record of "You lied on My Life," I think, is the biggest selling single in the history of of the distribution system we use, which is Warner. So, the Billboard. I'm a big fan. Do you teach a class in this stuff? Uh, no, this but is I love you to talk every about. Every kid it. should know. Oh <coughs> well, I don't teach a class in it, but uh, I love talking to you. I love talking to Wade, uh, Justin when Who when he was alive. Away. And my best friend for thirty years was Casey Kasem, and I uh, and and uh Lebanese the, guy. Yes, and I did the uh, uh, eulogy at his funeral. You did? Yes, I did. He was my best friend wow and 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 he he uh, if you what I miss is once a week he would call me and say Mike I've got a I've got one for you there's an artist that was born 20 miles out of Cleveland and he put out 11 different singles and on Five different labels, nothing. Yeah. And then it was. Who was it? Uh, Who well, I'm actually oh, okay. kind of making it up there. Uh, I thought bit. it was the Raspberries. Yeah, Remember well, Eric was. Oh, yeah. It, uh, Eric Carmen, yeah. It, From it, Cleveland. It, 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 it could very, that profile could very easily. I don't know whether he, he was with the Raspberries originally before uh, he struck out on right. his own. Right. So I don't know if he fit the exact formula that I mentioned of of putting out five or six singles first, but I, I do know that he struggled for a few years.
0: Yeah, yeah. I didn't know you were best friends. With Casey Kasem, um, oh yeah, sad yeah. how it ended his. Life. Well,
1: we're still working on on getting the burial.
0: As a former disc jockey, he, I used to listen to him when I was nine, ten right. years old, and he was the master of keeping listeners listening when he went to a break. He would always. Te- he was the first one to, to, to do that. I think in such a great manner that he would tease what was coming up next. You know, when he went to commercials. Yeah. Well, and he's the greatest he a, one. Amazing. He's the
1: greatest one that ever lived. Because he, not only did he have the perfect voice for radio, um, he, he... So distinctive. He, it was so distinctive. It wasn't the the normal thing that, that you look for in a booming voice or whatever. It was just so real. He cared so much about the history. So much about the history. He's the greatest one that ever lived. And I, I got to induct him into two or three radio hall of fames or participate in the inductions. And, um, uh, I I miss him every day. In fact, his daughter called me yesterday and I, uh, I'm going to co- be calling her today. Wow. Uh, uh Car- that's, Carrie, that's but really great. we're still trying to get the body back. You know, he had a, oh. he got remarried and right, uh, and she
0: seemed to control a lot of things at the well, end. Well,
1: the, the new wife, I guess some issues developed between Casey's kids from the first marriage. Um, uh, the three, um, Julie, uh, Mike, and um, Carrie, and it—he uh, named—he named his son after me, and I—I oh, really? I, I had a—we're still. Let's put it this way: we're still trying to get the body back and oh. get a, a, a burial, and you know we don't know all the exact issues, but uh, there's progress being made.
0: Just get back to female artists um, once again. You know we have some great country female artists who are breaking out now. Brandi Clark, Maren Morris, My Church. I don't know if you've heard that one. Um, The last two artists that you signed were Love and Theft and Jared Demons. Any, any new. Um, female artists in the works for you?
1: Um, yes, um, and and um, you you know uh, Ruthie Collins started out as a writer with us, but she's making some amazing records. Ashley Garing, I
0: love Ashley is Gehring. one
1: single away. And in fact, she's got a song now called uh, "Love Can Go to Hell," and she recorded it, and she even got the license to record it, but. Uh, one of the artists that you just mentioned uh, wrote the song, um, uh, and who records for another label. Okay, and and um, they have pretty much. Uh, let me put it this way: I it, it, the artist isn't doing it, but uh, it appears that that the label that that she records for is doing everything they can to keep the record from being played by. Uh-huh. Um, um, All these legalities that well that the listener Ashley Garing's record is available to be played, but uh, the writer of the song records for another label, and that label, in my opinion, is doing everything they can. You know, it's a lot easier to convince radio not to play something than to play it. Hmm. But this record, if somebody would play Ashley Garing's record of L- "Love Can Go to Hell," it would be a big hit, and it, it's out. But it's it. it she didn't write it, and in all fairness, another artist did. And you know, I'm not criticizing the artist. You know
0: what I love about her is that she stopped her career. Um, yeah. She's done a couple of benefit shows for me when I raised yeah. money too. I just I, I think she's really a great person too. She stopped her career kind of and went back to college, finished that, and now has come back
1: to. Well, she stopped years. her career and went to the Curb College at Belmont.
0: Yeah, which Belmont. I was
1: really proud of, you know. And she and and now she has a record called Love Can Go to Hell. That's a smash, and and radio could play it, but the but another label that has that that has the a, a, rec- a record that might be released down the road by the writer of the song um, is doing everything they can to keep Ashley's record from being played. Hmm. You know, and I know I'm not supposed to say things like that. You can say whatever you want. But I'm not— This is a podcast, so you can (laughs) say— Well, I I don't like to be politically correct, but I don't like stuff like that because I think Ashley Gehring's record deserves to be played. Love Can Go to Hell, Ashley Gehring, I hope somebody starts playing it. (laughs) Me too.
0: Uh, Let me ask you, really, uh, can you just give a quick answer for this? Because a lot of people don't know. How does an artist get signed?
1: Well— First of all, I like to think that we've always searched for the greatest voices. I mean, when we signed the Judds originally, uh, a lot of people think they were signed to RCA. That's not true. They were signed to CURB, and CURB entered into a co-venture with RCA. That's, I remember that. Uh, but CURB was on the label, right? It was, it was, it was RCA it was CURB. RCA but, CURB, right. but we owned the Masters, and, and uh, Brent Mayer produced the records. But and RCA did a good job because we were still living in California at the time. RCA did a good job with the marketing and promotion, Uh, but but it was they were Curb Records and and their the Judds albums are all now on Curb. Um, And in fact, we just had an album of their number one songs that I think had just reached platinum. Uh, But Winona has just consistently been with us and 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 uh, she she her new album is a little more Americana, uh, although although there's a a song called Jesus and the Jukebox on Winona's album that just came out, that if country played it, it would be a smash. She sings it in that... It sounds like a great country title. Oh, and she sings it in that register, voice register, uh, like she did back when she was with the Judds. She's not using her low voice. She's not using her real high voice. She's in that mid-register where Brent Mayer, who produced the Judd's records, always found magic. And the record is called Jesus... Um, and the jukebox, and it's it's a <clears throat> kind of record that if country played it, uh, there's nobody like Winona. There's nobody, and, and there and there never will be. Uh, and I've always tried to find the really good voices. You know, Leanne Rhimes. When we signed Leanne Rhimes, and people said well, everybody turned down Blue, but we didn't because mm-hmm. the fact that everybody thought she sounded like Patsy Cline, and she's 13. Uh, Unlike most teenage artists, Leanne Rhymes didn't sound like a teenager. And it was amazing. And 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 we had a fabulous time with Leanne for what almost 15, uh, almost 18 years and and even now are you still friends oh yes i mean well when i say friends i i see her from time to time i saw her recently so a good relationship still oh very good uh <clears throat> she had that one incident with her dad you know where they uh but they patched that up you know and 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 she even resigned with us after that incident and we had a bunch of hits after that a coyote ugly i mean the right uh, I can't fight the moonlight. I mean,
0: but it was a pop hit. Another great. I mean, you mentioned Winona and Leanne Rhimes. Oh. Winona Judd and Leanne Rhimes, two of the great voices. Yeah. In we country could go music. all
1: the way back to Linda Ronstadt <coughs> when she signed with us in the mid '60s. Even she was still with the Stone Ponies. So is that what you're looking for? That magical voice? Sure. And and to me, to to me, Ashley Garing has it. Uh, Ashley Ashley Ashley, Ashley Garing could be the next Faith Hill. Hmm. She she uh, she doesn't. She's not as distinctive, let's say, as Winona. Or or Leanne, and um, but but she has the ability like Faith Hill to make a great record, and she's got a great voice. She could sing. I mean, if somebody played "Love Can Go to Hell" by by uh, uh, Ashley Garing, it would start to break on its own. That's how we found out about the power of BDS at Billboard. Uh, I was telling you that back in those days, R and R had a policy they wouldn't even put a record out to be charted unless it had 10 stations. Mm -hmm. Well, Blue only had five stations. But they were playing it a lot. But they were playing it a lot. And Wade called me. Wade called me because he said, are you guys hyping this record uh, because it's only on five stations? And I said, no, we're not hyping it. What, What are you referring to? And he said, well, the record just showed up at 49 with a bullet on our chart. And we're excited because we've just started BDS and this is the first time... That a record is charted with only five stations, and it's proving how valuable BDS is, because BDS also um, controls or stops the manipulation to Mm -hmm. a great degree. You really, I mean, look—you can do midnight spins, and it's uh, kind of
0: the same way as when um, you know we started tabulating record sales through scans instead of record stores calling in. Yeah. reports of how many sold yeah well it's the he, same
1: it's reality it's reality and 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 the, but the bottom line is Wade was so excited because Wade had so much integrity he didn't like records being manipulated mm-hmm. and the fact that this was on an independent label and and it was and, and then of course the record went all the way to the top 10 um, and then but more importantly, it proved that it was a hit because the album, I think, sold, sold what six million <laughs> albums. You know, the Blue Album. So, a star was born. You know, and and it happened. It it only would have happened with BDS because at that time R and R would didn't even have it out uh, to be uh, uh, on the map because we they didn't it didn't meet the ten st- station rule. So, yeah.
0: and the great thing about um, radio, the magic of radio is. A believer in a song, taking it and making it a hit. Yes, and and that's it's just magic that 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 could happen. Yes, to me. you know it's one of the reasons why I got into radio in the first place. I want to ask you: um, Has the world of TV, American Idol, The Voice, have those shows? We've had some great artists, Kelly Clarkson, Carrie Underwood. Have those shows been good for music? In your opinion?
1: Um, you you mean the, the like American general. Idol? Yeah, uh, Idol. Well, the Voice. I mean, they've been good for music. Y- you have to say it's been good because Carrie Underwood. I, I don't think there's a finer representative for our format than Carrie Underwood, and she won American Idol. Mm-hmm. So uh, and look so did Kelly Clarkson. And it was great for Kelly. It hasn't been great for everybody. Uh, I. It was hard for me to watch because I didn't. I don't like discouraging artists so I mean if if an artist isn't great and we don't sign the artist I don't like to be I don't like to critique it right so okay. I didn't like uh, uh, that that guy I forget his name uh, owned the show but uh, what's his name the, the uh, guy that the, was the, so, the so rude to the artist Simon Simon yeah I, I couldn't watch that I had I because he was he was so rude and, and one of the artists uh, Kimberly Locke who was our artist, African American artist, and we had a bunch of. You know, it's funny. I think she's probably had six or seven number ones in Billboard, but they've been on the AC chart mm-hmm. mostly. And, and we 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 even went number one with a couple of records on that were Christmas records, but on the full, on the main AC chart, you know. But we had, uh, and we had a number one airplay pop record with her right at the very start. But but putting all that aside, uh, you know, I know some you know, some of the artists who've been on the show and. And you know, I just think being rude to an artist on television is, and and having, I just don't understand why people respond to that. Uh, so I'm I'm kind of glad that that he's off that and it's going away. But mm-hmm. I do think it served a great purpose, you know, in in in, in breaking in in. in an artist who could survive that, like Carrie Underwood and Kelly Clarkson, turned out to be a, a, a great thing. So I probably shouldn't be critical of it. I, I just couldn't watch it.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just wanted to get your take on that. I just you don't
1: know. believe in saying, "Look, artists get unhappy easy enough. You don't need right. to provoke it." And but I think, but and then you you know when you really think about it, uh, uh, there there are a lot of people. I, I mean, in, in, like in my case, and there's others like me who've had who've had a lot of hits, and we've Never, ever said to an artist, rude comments like that. Mm-hmm. And here's a guy who, I, I don't know if he's ever m- produced a hit in his life. Maybe he did, and he's out there just being rude to artists, and and he's getting good ratings. I I, I don't I don't how, get that, and I don't I don't how, like that.
0: Well, how do you listen to new music? How do you find new stuff?
1: Um, you know, it's submitted. We have an open policy at our company. Um, as long as it's been copywritten mm-hmm. properly. If somebody submits a record, we're going to listen to it. We're going to listen to that record. And, I mean, we have people drop records, people in the neighborhood, you know, and we're open, whether it's an African-American record, whether it's an R&B record, I mean, or whether it's a, a contemporary Christian record, whether it's rock, pop. Nashville is wide open for everything
0: there's a great american uh, african-american singer uh, mickey guyton who's on the scene right now trying to break through i don't know if you've heard her or not. she's yep. on umg i have tremendous and I, I
1: and i think she's great and i just I hope, hope she, she breaks through i hope she does too we we what that would mean if we could get hispanic artists to break through at country and african-american artists i had Trini triggs for several years and we had several billboard chart records oh, I with Trini. Trini triggs we we didn't get the big we, we didn't get the big killer number one that we were looking for, but uh, Straight Tequila did pretty darn good, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, Horse to Mexico was, was did pretty well, and uh, we, we had some w- wonderful songs with him, and in fact, he sends me things from time to time, but I really, I think Nashville is just reaching out to the world, and see, most of our hits when we were in California were, I mean, were records like... You know, Unchained Melody by the Righteous Brothers. Oh, what a night! What a great song! Oh, what a night! By the Four Seasons, the biggest hit they ever had was on our label, uh, On and, MGM. Uh, on no, on 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 Curb. Oh, back okay. when we were distributed by Warner, Curb Warner, mm-hmm. um, ni- nineteen seventy-five. We had Who Loves You. We had, their earlier hits were on VJ, but and then they went to Phillips. Mm-hmm. Um, but in in the seventies, all their hits like Who Loves You, which went to number three in Billboard. Uh, oh, What a Night, December 63, which went uh, number one in Billboard. Let Your Love Flow by the Bellamys went number one in Billboard on the pop chart. Great song. I mean, the country went number one on the pop Crossed chart. Crossed over, right. Kiss You All Over by Exile went number one uh, on Curb Records on the pop chart.
0: Oh yeah, Exile was on Curb, weren't they?
1: Yes, at that time, mm-hmm. uh, that they had Kiss You All Over. It went number one, um, So and and but so did John Cassidy. So did Donnie and Marie Osmond. Uh, so um, you love
0: all kinds of So did of
1: Candyman. Can, uh, Candyman, which was originally... Sammy
0: Davis Jr. It
1: was the My Curb Congregation record. We overdubbed. It bombed by my group. <laughs> and I overdubbed Sammy Davis Jr. over it as the producer. And it went number one in Billboard.
0: How did you originally... I mean, you started very young. Right. How did you get hooked on it originally?
1: Well, look. How did you My start? dad was... A, I was born in Savannah, Georgia. My dad was an FBI agent. He got transferred and we ended up in compton california i went to a school that that was very racially mixed uh which was great because my grandmother was my grandmother uh was hispanic and and just a wonderful wonderful example of uh of being a great immigrant you know just she put herself through college um she she's the person who insisted that i do government service because (laughs) she cared about america so is that where you got the philanthropy my grandmother was right, out of really, the shoot. yes, because she said, look, if you're lucky enough to make money, give it back. Put it into something you believe, restoration, to the homeless, to, ch- to charity. Um, do what you can. Education is a big area. Um, and we do. I mean, we've probably put half of everything that's come in. In fact, people have criticized me for not putting more money back into the record company. So that's why when we bought Word— we said, all right. Instead of starting another college, uh, we've got ten <laughs> colleges now, and we've got twelve buildings on Music Row. Let's 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 buy a record company and double our size. And and and, and are you
0: going to keep them where they are, and you guys stay here in I'd, your offices? It, it's, plan? A, it's kind
1: of up to them. Are uh, you going
0: to stay on Music Row?
1: Never. I'm never leaving Music Row. Because role. are you kidding me? I wanted to tell the. Uh, are you kidding me? After listening. after we've restored twelve buildings, I mean, I mean, why? I wouldn't move off Music Row. I mean, I even in my will, uh, they can't. Uh, I've I've got a trust set up where they can't move us off Music Row.
0: <laughs> well, we were out for a run the other Saturday, a couple Saturdays ago, and I think I counted nineteen cranes uh, on along a short route. Um, that people who have never been in Nashville don't understand it, but it's just exploding. I heard that eighty new people a day are moving right. to Nashville. Why don't you just become mayor?
1: Oh. I promise How many my, times have you been asked that? Well, let me say this: I've been asked a lot of questions like that. But you know, um, the uh, my views, first of all, are not conservative enough for really? Nashville, Tennessee. On huh. you know, I'm the you know, I talk, you're a Reagan Republican. I I'm a Reagan Republican, but but uh, I'm also a, a Wade Jessen Republican. <laughs> what does that uh, mean? It, it means that I believe in non-discrimination. I believe in non-discrimination. Period. Mm-hmm. You know, and so um, that is not exactly uh, a it's platform not <laughs> enough. But let me say this: I promised my wife when she got ill in California, and we moved to Nashville with our two uh, young, two dogs. T- young teenage daughter. Oh, I thought you were talking about the dogs. Well, we How we <laughs> had two dogs and two horses, but we had two daughters. How many kids do you have? Two, mm-hmm. but they were just starting middle school, and and. And we wanted, to, we wanted them to be in Nashville. And that's really why we moved. We, it's a I great was, place to raise kids. Right? It is. I was paranoid about leaving California because I loved Hollywood and I loved the... the uh,
0: you know weird. you have a star on the walk of fame the hollywood walk of fame yeah. i didn't know that until i yeah. prepped for this for talking to you this yeah. morning
1: sometimes i can't believe that they did that but i but i mean that's what i mean i loved living in in hollywood and i loved living in california and i love the views of the inclusive views of people in in california having said that i also love tennessee mm-hmm. you know and i love what nashville is becoming we got a great mayor uh, now, and uh, just yesterday we opened a Grammy. Is
0: it our first female mayor?
1: First female mayor, and her name is Megan Barry. And yesterday, we cut the Megan Berry and I cut the ribbon for the Grammy Museum at the Musicians Hall of Fame, um, and it's something that where I introduced the Grammys to the Musicians Hall of Fame and Joe chambers and and so uh, and and with the help of Megan Barry back when she was in, in on the city council and now with Megan Barry as mayor, we just have a great inclusive mayor. Mm-hmm. and and so we, this we I promised my wife I would never do that when we moved to Tennessee. And my wife has Crohn's disease and some other issues, and I think it's helped keep her alive because when I was in government, you know, and someone's attacking you every day. That's your wife, your wives take it very hard, mm. you know? And so, um, sometimes harder than you probably. Right. Y- yes. Because, you, you know, I, I was, ang- I was anxious to get skin. back into the record business. So I, you know, I, I didn't mind. I, 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 I kind of wanted to, to get back in the record business. So I, I got to the point where I didn't care whether I was reelected or not, but it's a terrible thing to say, but I, I really, I'm a person that loves to listen to music every night I, I love the. Record How do you business.
0: physically listen to music? Are you listening to discs or an iPod or files? How do you listen to music? Well,
1: I still always? prefer to hear it on a CD. But I mean, I I like it. I, I like Spotify. I mean, I, I like iTunes. But I mean, I prefer to to listen to a, a CD on on the on a, on a record player that I have at home, a music player because I want to hear it the way it's going to sound on the radio. So I don't boost the mm. bass. I don't boost the treble. I listen to it. And then if I want to, if I feel like it needs more high end or or more bottom end or more middle. I So you can, have an
0: ear that most of us don't
1: have. Um, but isn't it great that kids are listening to vinyl again? Well, it is. We, see, back when we had vinyl, I mean, I was Billboard's producer of the year. But unfortunately, that was 1970, 1972, you know, right? Unfortunately, it was 1972. That was a great year for music. It was great f- year f- for me in music. And mm-hmm. we had Lou Rawls. We had Sammy Davis Jr. We had Solomon Burke. We had the Silvers. We had uh, the Osmonds, uh, who sounded like the Jackson 5 with their one bad apple. I had the My Curb Congregation. I mean, we had lots of artists that were doing well. And I was producer of the year. But you know something? When I moved to Nashville and I saw... Hundreds of producers, much more talented than me. Hundreds of songwriters, much more talented than me. I said, you know, I'm lucky to have a job, and in order to preserve my job, I better keep owning this company because if I sold it, I think I'd be the first one that got fired.
0: And you have one of the great producers of all time here, Jim Ed Norman.
1: Yes, he's a, he's a he's great. He's
0: produced a lot. Can you just mention a couple of the great records that he's been involved with? Well, yes.
1: Well, first of all, Jim Ed and I had Hank Williams Jr. together for many, many, well, for most of his career. I wrote, I wrote and produced his first number one, "All for Love of Sunshine." But Jim Ed produced a lot of those fabulous records, like "Tear in My Beer," with Hank Senior and Hank Jr. But so uh, you know, he he just did one great record after another, Um, and you know, we had the Curb Warner relationship. And we extended that out because of Jim Ed. So I worked with Jim Ed throughout that whole period with Hank. And and during that period, Jim Ed was producing Hank. And I realized that he was a better producer than me. So when he left Warner and left the business, um, I started working on talking to to him to get back in it. And now he's in it all the way, and he's the CEO of our company and doing great.
0: Can you remember the first concert you ever went to?
1: Well, yes, because I was in Compton. Mm-hmm. And, and I can tell you who You won. and N.W.A. straight out of Compton. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, I like I like N.W.A. And you they want were to, awesome. Yeah, I like them. I, and, 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 and you know something? Um, I love living in Compton. I loved uh, going home with African-American friends of mine. Yeah. Of course, most of their mothers were playing Mahalia Jackson at that time. But, but that's was,
0: great. Music. So what was the first concert you
1: went to? Well, it was Johnny Otis because there was a, a theater, Right by the right right near the uh, elementary school I was going to in Compton, and they would um, and the Johnny Otis show would come there a couple of times a year, and he'd have little Esther Phillips. And this was just before Elvis broke, and I was getting to hear these artists like Joe Turner and and Esther Phillips and johnny otis and 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 these California artists, uh, Don and Dewey, the ones that were having hits. Um, most of them African American, and I was getting to hear them on small stations in Compton, and then Elvis came along, and sang the same songs. Mm. Of course, Elvis popularized these songs, and that's why he got on the
0: radio. People thought he was black, and he well, was a white guy because Elvis respected,
1: right? The 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 uh, uh, I mean, if you if you take Arthur Crudup, you know who wrote That's All Right Mama, which was really his first, it wasn't his first chart record, but it was the first record that really, where people really said, wow, this guy's got something special. His early records on Sun hit were on the country chart. Uh-huh. A lot of people might not know,
0: but, you know, yeah. way back then, um, you know, there was a lot of vanilla white covers of great songs that got on the radio and, and black artists didn't get on the radio for a long time. That,
1: Until Elvis, right? Well, y- yes, There, the what would happen is the R&B station would break a record and then a white artist would Pat cover Boone. it. Um, but uh, I, I do remember though one time talking to Little Richard because we put out a album of Little Richard's greatest hits. They were originally on a label called Specialty but we were lucky enough to, 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 to get Little Richard to do an, al- an album of his hits and he said to me one day he said you know i made more money as a songwriter when pat boone did my records <laughs> you know so and and then i did when when i when i recorded them as an artist and and that's kind of you know that that's the way it was now uh, uh, elvis whenever elvis would record one of those artists one of those records that was popularized by uh, african-american artist that artist would suddenly get tons of royalties. So, um, but having said that, Chuck Berry proved with his electric guitar, mm-hmm. and 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 Fats Domino proved with the way he played piano, and with great production uh, um, from from uh, you know from Bar- Bartholomew. Uh, people like Fats Domino and Chuck Berry proved that black artists could get on the yes. mainstream chart. It and just took them a little bit of time to do it. You and know? they
0: were influencing Chuck Berry, the Beatles, the Stones, right. when you asked them about their influences, and Little Richard, of course, and a lot of those guys. Um, you know, I Chuck Berry ask-
1: even said, I was watching a show one night, and and, and he was asked, uh, I think it was Casey's show, and he was being interviewed, and, and, he, and he said, they said, why did you play the electric guitar? He said, because I knew they couldn't cover... My record's because they couldn't play guitar like me. (laughs) And and so I thought that was pretty cool.
0: I want to ask you a couple of more things before we wrap up. You know, as we get older, um, your relationships seem to be more and more than anything else, you know. and So have you and Tim McGraw met
1: for that beer yet and just... Well, you know, you know something. Put um, things aside you know, just and to say this, we are so proud of our twenty-three year relationship with Tim McGraw, mm-hmm. and we're so he resigned with us a couple of times. You know, if we, it's it's kind of like if you've been in a long marriage, if you want to find one or two things where you disagreed, uh, but the important thing, if you disagree whether it's with your wife or whether it's with an artist, did you resolve it, and is everybody happy? Mm-hmm. And 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 we did. And we resolved it quickly. It may not have been exactly what I wanted. It, it may not have been exactly what he wanted. Uh, but the good news is we have 23 years of fabulous catalog. I mean, what is it worth to have songs like Live Like You Are Dying? You know, an Indian outlaw. And I like it. I love it. And all these fabulous records that Tim did. And, and Tim had, in my opinion, is one of the greatest song pickers In the world, he could pick a song and he knows how to pick that song that fits the register in his voice. He knows exactly the right producer and he's got the right producer at Byron Gallimore. So I just prefer to remember 23 great years rather than to remember one or two times where you might have disagreed over a greatest hits album or disagreed over this or that. I mean, so
0: if you see each other today, you're good. You guys are good.
1: I would hope so because basically, If you asked me to to name three things that I disagreed with Tim on in 23 years, I couldn't think of them. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I could think of one or two. I just am so proud that that he started on our label and also that we stuck with him for about five years while he was putting out records that didn't hit until we got Indian Outlaw. You know, but we had four or five records before that in four or five years. You do stick with artists a long time. Well, Rodney Atkins was eight years on our label before he got If You're Going Through Hell, and then it went all the way to number one, and he had, he's had, I think, seven number, seven Billboard mm-hmm. number ones, um, counting albums and singles, uh, you know? So um, you, you're, you know, it if you believe in somebody, you should stick with them I mean, if you really care about them. And then, you know, are you, you know, Abraham Lincoln said, you know, you can make all the artists happy some of the time and some of the artists happy all the time, <laughs> but not all the artists happy all the time. I think he said that. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm just Who's teasing gonna, you. Nobody's going to disagree no, with you. He didn't say artists, but having, I'm joking, obviously, but, but what he said is true, which is every artist on your label is not gonna be number one every week. So when you asked me earlier, what's our biggest job? Our biggest job is working with those artists who haven't yet had a hit record and or or the artist that had a hit record and then has had a dry spell for two or three records, keeping that record, that artist motivated. That's why it's hard for me to subscribe to the Simon Cowell type stuff because if if you take an artist whose record isn't hitting or an artist if we had said things like that to Tim McGraw before in the years before he had Indian outlaw we we could have broken his spirit so it it might be fun tv to watch people being you know slammed and all that but it, it's it's mean spirited and mm-hmm. it's not reality reality the real reality show is what we live every day and that's keeping these artists who don't have a hit motivated so they will believe continue to believe in themselves Mm. do you watch nashville the tv show yes i do (laughs) do? (laughs) it is my wife's. i will tell you it is my wife's favorite show and and have you been on no i've never been on it but they 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 use our our building um we we have a building that we originally built for our motorsports um right off trinity lane and 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 they were looking for a huge building to put all the sets where they could recreate the Bluebird Cafe and recreate Mm. the Ryman and and the Governor's Mansion and all that. So that's our building. And what we're hoping is that we hope the show lasts forever, Uh, not just because we're getting fabulous rent and all that. It's a Uh, great commercial for Nashville. It's just a great thing for Nashville. But we're hoping that if the day comes... Where they do stop the show, that they'll keep the sets here, so we'll have another fabulous tourist attraction. Because see, that's in the actual city of Nashville. That building wow. is in. So we're proud to own the building yeah. where it is. So, so I, when when and, and my wife, it became her favorite show. We don't miss it. I mean, and tonight. At nine o'clock, we'll be watching it. That's great. We don't miss. Um, in, in, but she will. If I if I forget that show, because I, <laughs> I tend to, particularly during a political season or whatever, or if there's a, you know, a, a, one of the TV shows on for one of the award shows, I tend to want to watch it. And if if I accidentally cut into that nine o'clock slot here, when that shows on, I, I hear about it from my wife. <laughs> Final question: Who's your
0: next big star on Curb?
1: Well, I think the next. Uh, I'll, I'll tell you right now, Mo Pitney, uh, Jackson Mickelson, and, and Dylan Scott are are just about to break through. Um, and they to some degree, they already have. They've already—Mo uh, uh, and, and Dylan have already charted. Uh, they're just this far away from breaking big. I think the next giant hit— um, if we can ever get this record by Lee Bryce, it's been out for nine months. It's number 15 it, right I now. I know, and it's starting to really sell now, and we've been working it for nine months. But, you know, we don't get an automatic, like, uh, drinking drink class or I don't dance on every, re- on every song. This record was one that took a long time, but it's such a great record by Lee. We've stayed with it for nine months. It's he- been... He and, but, just
0: seems like such a steady Eddie, hit yeah. after hit. Yet he doesn't. He hasn't won any awards yet, has he?
1: Oh, oh yes. He was re- won the Record of the Year last year for right. "I Don't Dance" from the Academy. H- has he won uh, any male vocalist uh, awards? Yes, he's 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 got an ACM. He's got a CMA award. I I, I believe the CMA award was a songwriter award. He wrote the Eli Young uh, Band record "Crazy Girl," mm. but I think he also won it. Um, for, for one of, uh, the, uh, I'm, I'm trying to think, um, it might've been drive your truck. I'm trying to remember if it was, uh, oh, he he's won. Yes. He's won awards. Does he deserve more? Yes. And it, and if you were going to ask me what the next major hit is, we're about to put out a duet between Jared Neiman and Lee Bryce. Oh. And I believe that what's that called? Well, it, it's, it's called a little more love. And I believe that, um, it's going to be um, a number one record. I'm going out out on a limb there.
0: (laughs) Give us the ad date so I can write it in my column next week. (laughs) I'm just kidding. Uh,
1: Well, uh, uh, can I tell you what the ad date is? You know what the ad date is? If you'll tell me when the current Lee Bryce record will stop, Uh, and and, and, because we certainly don't want to kill that record off after working nine months. It seems to
0: be doing really well right now. Well,
1: it's in the top 15. It's 15 right now. And and it's in the top 15. If you could tell me the day that it's going to stop... That's the that's the day we'll release. Well, hopefully
0: the... not for a little while. Well, Mike Curb, it has been such an honor and pleasure talking to you. I really enjoyed it, really have. Thank you so much for your time, and,
1: and thank you, you know, for caring about music, for writing about the history of music. But you, you, we have one thing in common: we both like to talk about the history, mm-hmm. but we also like to talk about what's happening now. And I right. appreciate the fact that you're doing that, and and I love the fact that your background is in radio because radio that's what I would have loved to have been able to do if I I don't have if as you could tell the right voice. Well, that's voice. the one
0: thing you didn't do I guess well I don't have the right Is voice you... for
1: it but i, I've, oh, I my best know. friends my best friends have always come from radio and 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 I just appreciate everything you've done in radio everything you're doing at billboard and the fact that you're doing these podcasts and and you know we're talking about the history and the future and we're talking about good things it's been an honor well thank you Mike curb thank you it's been a
0: while, and I don't mean to- if you happy i didn't hear a smile and that
1: don't sound like you no that ain't the girl i knew you always sounded like truck tires on a gravel road Lab- hey it's Paige Disorbo from giggly squad high quality fashion without the price tag say hello to quince